Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. And joining me today, we got the whole crew together. We got Richard and we got Elkin. Elkin, how's it feel? We can podcast with you on a weekday because there's no basketball games. Huh. It feels great. The, the only reason, the only reason I'm able to do this, because I had a meeting I had to attend to because of my position as being principal. And then the meeting was done at 3 at 20 Eastern time, which let me get home at like 3.45 and finish all my work by 4, by 4.45. And here I am, ready to pod. Smooth. We love it, Elkin, because we love having you on the pod, as always. And Richard, you're a teacher, not a principal, but you are able to podcast today as well because you finished all of your work, maybe. I don't know. How'd you, how'd you do today at teaching? Uh, you know, I got out a little bit earlier than usual, so that's good. Um was able to get out here because I knew that Elkin – it, we've even started a little bit later on the potting process just because we 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 do a little bit too much dinking around before the pot. But uh, I got off early, so that's good. Um, excited to uh, to talk about a lot of things today. And and I will say today was a better day for me than it is right now, probably for Stan Van Gundy. So that's um, all I got to say about that. Ooh, I was actually wow. hoping you are going to throw it back to me. I was like, well, since you got off early, I was going to let you know that Stan Van Gundy also got off early. Because <laughs> hey, he was Someone had little, to put it out there. Someone had to put it out there. He was relieved of his duties as head coach and general manager of the Pistons, president of basketball operations, however you want to phrase it. So as a fan of the Pistons, Richard, how did you take in the Stan Van Gundy experience? Well, yeah, so it's an important distinction. He's a president of basketball operations. Jeff Bauer was our GM, uh, but uh, a little bit mixed right now. Like, I enjoyed Stan. I enjoyed him as a coach. I liked him. I liked the press conferences he had. I I thought that, you know, some great, great moments from the Stan Van Gundy um, era. Some great trades he won, but at the same time, him being in that president of basketball operations role and coach led to some pretty head scratching moves, especially in free agency. And so I, I get it. I understand why it was time to depart uh, a little bit sad, but also looking forward to having, you know, those roles separated. Um, so I have my own personal like choices of, of people who I'd like to see the Pistons get, but I, I fear is, you know, probably won't happen. Well, do you want to throw a name out there just for prosperity? Yeah, well, more specifically, I for the head coaching job, I like Monty Williams. I think he's he did a phenomenal job. You, know, you think about his his role, he was the coach who developed Anthony Davis. And for whatever reason, after round one against the you know, the Warriors team who was just, you know, just rolling over everyone, they got swept. They went to overtime one game and the you know, ownership there was like, and now we're moving on. And I thought that was a little bit unfair at the time. I thought he did a great job in development. And with the Pistons being cap strapped, not being able to bring any free agents, we really got to develop internally. And so I would like to see that. And as far as the GM, I don't want to see Chauncey Billups because Ooh. the reason why, All right. All right. not that I think Chauncey would be a bad candidate, but you're not looking for nostalgia. I'm not looking for nostalgia mm. because I don't want like him to be dealt a poor hand to begin with. Like let's say Blake has health issues as we, you know, anticipate, cap strapped, and for us just to be bad for the next few years, and then all of a sudden his legacy in Detroit begins to have a little bit of a taint. Kind of like Joe Dumars at the end, even though he brought us a title with you know the, the going to work pistons. I, I just don't really want to see that. I'd rather see someone else maybe who's had some good experience. I don't know what maybe David Griffin or 
you know, someone else, like there's an assistant GM in Boston that I'd like to see. I forget what his name is, um, but he's the guy who has the the theory about the wheel as far as the draft. Mike Zarin, I believe. Yeah, Mike Zarin. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, I like to see him. Um, but we got Arn Tellum doing a lot of stuff as kind of like a co-owner. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of making a lot of those decisions. So I'm comfortable with, with the direction. I like our ownership. So that's at least a good thing. Um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. All righty. And that's it. We're not that's talking it. Pistons anymore. That's it. No more Pistons. I'll um, try my, my, my best. I want, I want to do a quick touch on the uh, end of the Celtics Sixer series. Um, yeah. Ending five games, I think all of us on this podcast are surprised by that. I know myself included. Um, how good of a coach is Brad Stevens? Or are we not giving these Celtics players enough credit here? I'll go for probably the latter. I'm probably in the camp. I shouldn't be – maybe I shouldn't. Maybe Brad Stevens should get the credit. I'm going to start off with that. And it's a hustle and it's a sham about that coach's award. You know, I understand Dwayne Casey winning it, but for Brad not to get one vote, I'm sure we can go on and on and talking about that. Like a vote, man. Coaches, other coaches, a vote. Yeah, but like, oh, gosh. here's the thing that um, that someone pointed out on Twitter. I forget who it was, so I feel you know bad just stealing it, stealing their thought. This is not my original thought, but they pointed out, and I was like, yeah, that's true. Like, he didn't come out – like, most people come out of a coaching tree. Like, you see – um, people coming out of like everyone from Pop's coaching tree right now is getting job mm-hmm. interviews like th- this year. So you have people coming from his camp, and so there's familiarity there. Brad Stevens didn't go that route. He came straight from from Butler, and now he's there. And so he doesn't have the luxury of maybe that familiarity. And then there's the rumors of people being jealous, but he just doesn't know those guys. He doesn't have that relationship quite as well mm-hmm. as the other coaches do. So they're not going to go to bat for him. As much. Okay. So it's like a hater's ball right now at this point. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it oh – I mean, you, you can definitely see that. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have the connections, it's, it's hard to – Yeah. Hard to, like, just have your name in everyone's mouth all the time. And – Your other coach is kind of hating you, hating yeah. on you. But, I mean, no, you but, even see it with, like, the other coaches. Like, they'll go to bat for bad coaches just because they work with them. They'll be like, oh, you know, you know, let, let's wrap that guy just because we know and we're familiar with him. You know, uh, people want to bat for, for Mark Jackson just because, I still, know. why? I still, it boggles. I'm sorry. Mark okay. Jackson, Indiana Pace, former Indiana Pacer. I respect what he did back in mm-hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s. But it still kills me. People are like Mark Jackson. Look at what he did in Golden State. Steve Kerr won the championship with Mark Jackson's team. Well, if Mark Jackson was that good of a coach, he would have won a championship with that team. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe David Lee wouldn't have been the starter. Ooh, correct. But I'm sorry, Mark Jackson, okay. but, I, but I'm for real. Um, all right. You got you to gotta not be starting David Lee there. All right. Let me get back. Let me get back. So players or coach? Celtics. I'll say this. First of all, Ethan – Kind of brought me over to his thought about the whole Al Horford thing where a lot of people are surprised that, oh, Al Horford, where has this Al Horford been? And Ethan's been like, well, it's been in Atlanta, guys. This isn't a changeup. This isn't anything different. Right. He's been good for a long time, but he's <laughs> not. he hasn't gotten that much better playing for the Celtics. He just plays for a prominent franchise now. And I just don't Ooh. like the media jumping on this bandwagon of, oh, Al Horford, how much better job. No, he's the exact same player he was in Atlanta. He just happened to be surrounded with Kyrie early in the season. And then Brad Stevens is a great coach, not just a good one. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of perspective, people. Al Horford mm-hmm. is really, really, really good. But I'm not here for the bandwagon. 
Sorry. Well, no, I understand. I understand. It's too much room. Kind of push people off the bandwagon, or you don't want to be on there. I don't. All I'm saying, all I'm going to say is that yes, they're missing Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward. We know the story, but let's not act like the other guys are just all role players. That's that's what I feel like. Everyone's like, look at the Celtics are doing this with some role players, even sometimes or at Horford, a bunch of role players. I think they have guys who have legitimate talent. You have guys who are quality starters. And for me, when I see Jason Tatum, I see four or five years down the road, he's going to be – if he continues developing with what we've seen already, he's probably going to be a top guy or getting up there as far as all-star level. That's what I see already. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of these guys, though. Like, for me, like going back to the original question, I think that Brad Stevens has to be given – like a ton of the credit because mm-hmm. you look at the players that he's, he's down his two best players. Uh, yeah. You know, no, no, no shots to Al Horford. He's been doing, he's been good. He's been doing this thing the whole time, but he's lost his two best players and they are in the conference finals uh, beating a team in Philly that they, you know, probably shouldn't have beaten just because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are you know, talent wise comparatively like they're the, Two of the better players, obviously Al Horford, he's played very well this this past series. Obviously Ethan's like, eh, you know, too much credit. But like he had a really good series, right? He's good. <laughs> he's good. He's a good player. But it, the thing is, the way that Brad Stevens was able to approach this series, they effectively made Ben Simmons pretty much useless. Like they they made him not be able to get into the game that he's had all season. And you've got to speak like. Brad Stevens is a big part of it. Now, here's a question I have for you guys. Um, The Boston Celtics during the regular season were the number one rated defensive team. That's with Kyrie Irving playing a lot of the point guard guard minutes, right? Hmm. Kyrie Irving goes out, right? Now, obviously, huge step down. Uh, going from Kyrie Irving to Terrogier. Well, I mean, Terrogier, he's playing maybe something. Huge step step down. 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 Richard, we're talking about an inch, an inch. I understand. So I, mean, I close my eyes, look at the box score. You can't even tell the difference. Continue. But here's the thing. Defensively, to Terry Rozier, we are stepping up, right? Uh, true. From, from the best defensive team in the league, we step up to, with, with at the point guard position defensively with Terry Rozier. And I wonder, um, you know, if this – and maybe – I don't know if we want to leave the Philly series yet and go, go to the upcoming one, but I wonder if – what. Terry Rogier brings defensively what he adds to the best defense in the league already uh, it, from the starting lineup perspective. I, I wonder what that does. And I wonder how that affects um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that offensively has been able to get whatever they want. I look at it like this. If you're playing against a team that has a definitive weak spot offensively, improving defensive personnel makes a bigger difference. If you're telling me that Kyrie couldn't credibly guard Calderon, George Hill, X other like point guard nominally position for the Cavs, I'm saying you're wrong. They can do that. But if you're talking about, okay, put Kyrie out there, what's he going to be able to do? Like, keeping up with J.J. Redick, who's running through a 1,000 screens. That's where I say the difference is made. That's true. Whereas the Cavs, if, as long as they're making shots, that's the thing that's overlooked. I mean, the, the Pacers did a good job getting in their skin and not letting them get off good looks, but they missed a lot of shots they could have made as well. Um, the difference in the series with the Raptors is they were they were making everything. 
And if you're telling me that Rozier is going to get that much closer to a, a jump shooter, then yeah, his his different his difference is felt. But if he if um, it, I, I just don't see it being a positive when you're going to need to keep up scoring with a team defensively that they'll be a little bit better. But like maybe you're forcing one more George Hill turnover a game. And that's the real difference. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want Kyrie Irving. Um, it would be great to have him here. It, it, like this series would be just that much crazier if, if he was out there playing. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it's going to be an interesting series. Um, I've, I've been having arguments with other people about this and Berkeley comment, um, but about which, which of these teams, Boston or Philly would be the better matchup against Cleveland. Like which team has the better shot against that team. And, and for me, I say Boston just because of their defense. I, I, and maybe I'm overlooking that a little bit too too much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just putting too much emphasis on that. But with a team like Cleveland, if you're able to uh, have the players to stick with Kevin Love and Kyle Korver, those have been the big people, big secondary pieces that have been playing very well this postseason. If you're able to have people to match up well with them and Al Horford and and you know some of the other wings that you have in, on Boston, and you have a number of wings. Also, that you could throw at LeBron. Not that anyone's a LeBron stopper, but <laughs> you have like they have way better. They have a lot of other people that they can throw out there that I think is uh, pretty helpful. And with Boston, your best defensive lineup also isn't isn't bad on offense. And your right. offensive, like, you have players who can. And I'm going to throw this out there. Ethan's going to hate it. You have two way players. You have people who are not just solely out there for offensive purposes like you would have if you're Ilyasova, Bellinelli, or Reddick. I just threw that, 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 I threw that word out there just to mess with Ethan. But yeah, like, every, every player point, is though? a two-word player. Do you get my get, point? Like, you're yes. both. Yes, I get it. Because whereas you're looking at uh, even Reddick to some degree, if he's out there, he's out there to outscore the Cavs if he's mm-hmm. playing the series. Bellinelli, same thing. Ilyasova, same thing. Whereas Horford's out here to keep Kevin Love from getting off, but also keeping Kevin Love on the other end of the floor. Yes. I get it. I just happen to hate it. I understand. I think the biggest thing for me, why the Celtics match up better, is because their best lineup includes Horford playing center. And if they can do that credibly with uh, Love out there, whereas last series they had to use Baines quite a bit to just rattle Joel Embiid. And the reason I don't think the Sixers are as good as matchups because it or as like a scary matchup because if, if Embiid's out there banging like he as much as he is a dominant force and could really carry the series uh, for the Sixers offensively because um, I don't think Kevin Love's nearly as good as matchup as um, Horford or uh, Baines is I just don't think you'd have the I think you wear down I'm almost talking myself into like the Sixers because. The Cavs have such lazy defenders that um, all of a sudden Bellinelli and Reddick would be open all the time, and they'd probably make them again. So I don't know. I really don't know. This is a, this is a tough up. And this, the Cavs would have no one to guard Ben Simmons because they're not smart enough to play real good defense. So did you guys did you guys watch the basketball breakdown video of the plan that the Celtics use for Ben Simmons? No, nah. no. You gotta so put essentially- this the show sheet, buddy. <laughs> my bad. It's my bad. My bad. No, no, essentially, they just said uh, Celtics' main game plan, and of course, with a lot of clips, was just putting Al Horford on Ben Simmons mm-hmm. for almost for most of the time. And Al Horford, being the player that he is, essentially is just like, "All right, I'm gonna just roam around 
build a wall and then just keep roaming around and provide help side defense because young Benjamin over here is not going to shoot an outside jumper. And also, too, Ben Simmons, one thing that kills me about him, can he just go for one left-handed layup? I'm just driving left. Yeah. You expect him left-handed layup, easy layup. Nope, let me go right, do an awkward fading away from the hoop right-handed layup. Because so yeah, he should be happened. shooting with his right hand anyways. Throw that out there. <laughs> oh my god. It's fair. Whatever. Um yeah, yeah. And so one one of the one the only reason why I would have wanted why I think that the Sixers matchup would have been better is you're right. Embiid, they don't have an answer for for Embiid. But I think Embiid will wear down. Uh having to rely on him. Over and over and over, especially they would have had to go seven games with Boston in order to mm. get there. Like I just think it would have been too tough of a task. And the, all the the one benefit to the Sixers if they would have made it through would have been we would we have seen Kendrick Perkins suiting up not not just in his you know regular suit but just to be a big body. Would we have seen him? That would have been that would have been worth it. He might have been out there to replace the uh, the mask on Embiid's face every five minutes. Just <laughs> quick punch to the face. See. Wow. Oh boy. And Kevin Love, like, not in on the interior, but he would have wore Joel Embiid out running around. Like, they would have had Kevin Love running off screens and stuff because there's no way Joel's keeping up with him, like, at the three-point line. Like, it, Joel's a great athlete, but he'd be so tired. Yeah, I mean, you saw him, like, in the in-between zone of, do I go out on Aaron Baines? Do I not? Like, he didn't like having to deal with that, and yeah. he would have liked dealing with it less with Kevin Love. Yeah. Anyway, I think – as much as I love talking about the Sixers because they're one of my pet teams, um, <laughs> I, I want to focus more on the Cavs and Celtics. Yes. Seriously, Fair enough. Before we bump onto the Rockets and Warriors. Um, the matchup I want to talk about the most is Jason Tatum and what people what they're going to do with him because he's having an incredible postseason, scoring 20 points like in basically every game. Um, really just kind of able to get to his spots on the floor. And – the Cavs having only LeBron and Jeff Green of like size and athleticism. How do you guys see Jason Tatum faring in this series where he's going to be pressured a lot? Because both those guys are good athletes. But does LeBron have the energy to play lockdown defense on a Jason Tatum? Or is it going to have to be a Jeff Green, maybe CD Osmond if he can, or Kyle Corbett, you know, trying to get I see um I see him going for the Jeff Green angle. That's that's what I see most likely, just trying to put him on there and trying to go for that Jeff Green. The problem is with Jeff Green, he's going to be that trick-or-treat on the offensive end, and you don't know what you're going to get, and that's one of the things that kills them. Because I'm worried about Cal Corver. They're just gonna, it's going to be almost iso ball. LeBron, you don't want to expend too much energy. So then at that point, you're left with... Yeah, exactly. Jared Smith being undersized. C.D. Mm. Osmond. Maybe a decent option, but he hasn't played much this postseason. Uh, Richard has a solution, though. I feel like Richard's brewing up something over there. What you got, Richard? Okay, so if yeah, we said the only really viable option is defensively if you, if you put LeBron there. I mean yeah. – But Rodney Hood, you think he'll come in the game? Listen, Rodney Hood doesn't want to leave the bench, so we're just going to leave him there for right now. <laughs> All right? Um, now, they do have, they have a huge issue here because C.D. Osmond's not going to get big minutes. All right? He's not. He only got minutes when the series was basically out of hand. Uh, Jared Smith, like we mentioned, is not big enough. Kyle Korver, if you have him covering him, it's going to be like when they tried having J.J. Redick uh, cover Jason Tatum early on, and that did not work out last series, except for Kyle Korver's a little bit taller. But it's just it's not going to be great. Um, and so really LeBron's the only viable option to cover Jason Tatum. 
but LeBron doesn't want to probably have to do that much work. He'd probably prefer if it depends on the lineups that you throw out, but he'd probably prefer to defend a Marcus Morris uh, just because that's probably who they're going to want to start on LeBron. I guess him or they can throw him or Jason, Ta- uh, not Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown on him. Like the problem is whoever, like the Celtics have a lot of guys, just a lot of different people. And so defensively, the Cavs are in a mess no matter what happens. Really, it just comes down to, like, this is what talk, is talking me into picking the Celtics for the series just because the Cavs, outside of LeBron, like, man, how are they going to match up with some of these guys? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's they're, it, it's difficult. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to pick the Cavs as I, I had prior, but I think it's going to come as more of a result of you, you can't get the outlier uh, performances of the Celtics like performing to their optimal offensive outputs. And their defense, in my opinion, is not going to be able to hold the Cavs down enough. I think really? the Cavs are going to make enough shots because they're going to get open. They're going to, like, I just don't believe the Celtics are going to be able to keep the Cavs from shooting a decent percentage. And that, that might be foolish of me because the thing no. is you're either going to have to crash down on LeBron to keep them from eating alive Jason – uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and, or Mark Marcus Morris, Man. or you're gonna have to let LeBron get his every time down the floor and guard the shooters. And I just think you, you, no matter what you choose, you're gonna end up making enough mistakes yeah. that you're gonna and lose think, four games. I think that's my question. Who, what Celt, what are the Celtics gonna do about guarding LeBron? I know Pat Stevens is a great coach. So what's the strategy at that point? Well, I think it depends on what Cleveland is trying to do. Uh, I if if LeBron's playing like kind of perimeter style and not like pounding in the post, you can go with some of those Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Morris type just because you have length in their body. Um, I think they'd probably prefer Marcus Morris just because he's the one who you can afford to pick up more fouls. And it's honestly better if his minutes are limited just because sometimes he gets a little bit, you know, long too happy. But if he begins to pound in the post, which is where we've been seeing them you know, do where LeBron is the most difficult to guard and Al Horford might be, might be the, might be the move because he's long enough. He's, he's a good defensive player. You, you said last time they started him on Ben Simmons. Obviously it was more of a, in a sagging role, but also because when people did the pick and rolls, like you do pick and rolls with big guys. And so if they did it, it was an easy switch and they didn't worry about Ben Simmons. Obviously it's a different situation, but I'm confident in Brad Stevens' ability to to maneuver around whatever the Cavs are doing. I think that the coaching disparity in in this series is is really maximized with Brad Stevens, and I just think they have a lot of pieces. Like I've been, I I don't know. It's just I can't get over the fact that at the end of the day, the Cavaliers have LeBron, and as much as we say the coaching disparity, Ethan and I have pointed out several times the coaching disparity between one Brad Stevens and one LeBron James is not that great. As I'm I don't gonna, know, man. I'm gonna. Cause I will say this: LeBron probably himself. If you watch LeBron play, he actually, he's actually a guy who's reading situations, and he often think about, oh, look how the Celtics are coached. But let's not discount what LeBron is doing. I'm not saying he can do the same that Brad Stevens does, because playing and coaching from the sideline are completely different. But it's going to be interesting to see whatever adjustments uh, Brad Stevens make, because you know. As much as we hate on Ty Lue, something's going to happen in there, and then adjustments going to come back. 
with LeBron making the adjustments and Tyloo making the adjustments, they keep going back and forth. And at the end of the day, I just don't see enough to stop LeBron doing for what he needs to do. LeBron, LeBron doesn't often play to his disadvantage. Mm-hmm. If they put Horford on him, he's going to just step out ISO, get the floor spread, and attack him off the dribble. And once you send help, he'll make the pass. And if you're just like, okay, well, can't do that again, puts put Jalen Brown on him. And then he's going to take him and back his Jalen Brown skinny butt into the post. Like, I just I just think – like, if I, you look at how he, he – the reason he, I think he struggled with the, the Pacers is because even though Bojan was not fast enough to keep up, he was going to use all his fouls, and he's strong enough to still get in the way. Whereas, like, the, the Celtics' only real combination of the speed and size is – Marcus Morris, who's an emotional nutcase half the time he plays, and he's just going to foul the game, and it's going to be pointless. Like, it's futile. Semi Ojale. Oh, Semi, actually, Semi Ojale is a fun option, I, except then LeBron doesn't have to guard anyone, and then you're that scared. It's true. It's true. But I, like, I think that, again, I go back to Brad Stevens. I, I think that if you're Brad Stevens, you could figure out a way to make uh, Semi's role on offense, like, not hurt, not hurt so bad. And, mm. Okay, let, let me not. Let me not. Let me. I sound like a LeBron hater. I'm not. I don't want to diminish LeBron. Let me throw out this stat here for uh, in support of LeBron James, especially this postseason. So, LeBron's played 11 games, seven against Indy and uh, the 4-0 sweep against the um, Raptors. Uh, in those 11 games, he has 3.2 win shares. All right, so that's 0.3 win shares per game. Let's go to James Harden's regular season. 72 games, he had 15.4 win shares. That's 0.2 win shares in his MVP season. So, like, LeBron's playing at another level right now in the postseason that we haven't seen from anyone uh, this this year at, at all. And so he's playing phenomenally. I just – this is not an indictment on LeBron. And I've picked against LeBron in, in earlier series. I thought that the Raptors – I mistakenly thought the Raptors – this was their year. I do not believe in the supporting cast. I don't. I think, and I just think that they are going to be the reason why LeBron loses. And I just begin to look at some of the guys that they have out there and man, it's bad. Like this is the worst team LeBron has had in a very long time. And, and when I look at the coaching disparity and when I look at the rest of the talent around, that's why I think, I think it might be a little bit too much for LeBron to overcome. Cool. I mean, the Celtics, the Celtics have been doubted and like, like Elkin and I are doing and they happen to come through. I had them going out in round one. I had them going out in round two. I will have them going out in the conference finals. I just, they amaze me. I admit I've overlooked a lot of the talent they have. They're, they, they have, they're littered with players who, um, we're our pick our players that have ne- like never really been a negative in the league. You know, Aaron Baines, solid backup in San Antonio, decent backup for Detroit, rotation player in Boston. Like you'll see, everyone's like taking their next little step. Marcus Morris, not even a factor really in Phoenix teams, played okay for Detroit. Had some thirty point games this year. Like Brad Stevens is getting the best out of all these players. But these players aren't bums. They're just fine, and mm-hmm. thus. Thus, I believe in them to be decent. I don't think this will be a sweep. I'm going to show some respect to the Celtics. I'm going to say uh, Cavs in six because they're the lower seed anyway, so they, they finished it out at home. Um, but, nah, 
I'm not. I'm not rolling with the Celtics. And also, I'm tired of the Celtics. Get them out of my life. Wow. I should have known that was coming from you. <laughs> oh man. Um, Elkin, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions here? I'm thinking long and hard. Because I'm still bitter about the Cavaliers being the Pacers, but I need to find a way to get over <laughs> it. Um, Let's go. Danny returns not what we want. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Come on, Ethan. Come on. Honestly, as long as the more I think about it, the more I'm going to go with the the Cavs. I'm going with the Cavs in six. The main reason is because at this point, I'm kind of just seeing it where, yeah, Brad Stevens is going to do his best coaching, but I think LeBron's probably going to continue doing some of the best playing. And some of the rest he's gotten is going to – honestly, the rest he's probably gotten these last few days are helpful. LeBron's been just – if you guys read that Brian Windhorst piece, he's been just going so slow trying to give himself some breaks. And I see that it's going to be LeBron, and then he really doesn't – if you think about it, he doesn't need that big of games from all his players. He just needs about two guys to show up. That's all he needs. And then if yep. he gets two guys, they're going to get a win. Yep. Problem is, outside of Kevin Love, he's got no guys. And sometimes Kevin Love has those games where he just looks like concussed or something. I don't know. Like game one was this. Okay. He was back for this Toronto series, though. After like, game one, he was not there game one. Okay. He was there game two through four. He was there. But, anyways, my prediction I, I am going Boston in seven. Oh, we'll throw in a little contrary in here. I think at the end of this series, we're going to see LeBron have a phenomenal, a really, really great series. But I think you're going to see his supporting cast not be there. I think that the um, narrative coming out of this is that LeBron supporting cast is not enough. It's going to be the reason why he moves on to another team and how Brad Stevens is a genius. I think those are the narratives coming out of the series. And, you know, it's good to have some variety on the pod. That's fair. Okay, moving on. Moving on. All right, Rockets and Warriors, the series everyone's been waiting for all year. The uh, Mike D'Antoni, Steve Kerr matchup, the Curry, Durant. All, I mean, everyone knows the Hampton Five, they're calling it now, versus the two best ISO players in the game, Harden and Paul. I think by stats anyway, I yeah. still take Durant. Um, you fellas, I want to hit you with a stat about Stephen Curry that I found incredibly go. juicy. I'm prepared to be amazed. So Steph Curry's health is a concern because especially with Chris Paul guarding him, Chris Paul is a good defender. He's been sauced by Curry before, but he's still a good defender. Um, and Steph Curry's career, his playoff career, he has been assisted on his three-point field goals, so the ones he makes, on 52% of them. And his regular season, if I'm going to scroll up really quick, his regular season, not important. Anyway. I was just struggling to find it Um, but this year he's being assisted on his three point makes 73% now I know it's a smaller sample size only four games but this is my concern for the Warriors I'm not saying that they won't win because I'm not ready to tell you how I feel about the series as a whole the fact that Stephen Curry is getting assisted on 25% more of his three point makes leads me to believe he's not healthy I, I know he's I know he's made some, he's shot a good percentage. That is that that's been evident. As he's shooting 44 percent from three this year in the in, so far. Um, but his his juice just isn't there. I don't I don't see it in his legs and separation. And thus I 
I'm concerned that if he has, to, if he chooses to go hero ball mode to try to lift the team, if the Rockets have a lead, he doesn't have the legs to do it. And I think that's shown by the fact that he is being assisted on 73% of his three point makes versus 50% the last two seasons. I think that it is evident his lateral quickness is not at Steph at, you know, what we, what we know Steph to be. My concern is there as well, Ethan. I think that it's right now, physically, he's a little bit closer to uh, the year that they lost the finals when he had that uh, round one injury um, Ooh, against the Pelicans. Then, then he is to being a hundred percent Steph Curry's on fire. You know, I, I, I think he's closer to that injured form. Like I said in the last pod, on the last pod, I think maybe what is he eighty percent perhaps, but like especially for him, that lateral quickness is something that he relies on a lot. He shot well, like we said, but Chris Paul, as a defender, he is the guy that really is going to be physical with Steph Curry. If there's any guard out there that's going to be physical, it's going to be Chris Paul because mm-hmm. Chris Paul legitimately believes he is much better than Steph Curry. He's going to be physical with him, and depending on how the refs call it, whether they are uh, more ticky tack or whether they're going to let him play a little bit more, like that could that could determine how rough Chris Paul gets with Steph Curry. And in the past, Steph Curry, when he when there's a lot of contact there, I just especially with the way his his leg is right now, I, I just would be concerned. Yeah, and I think you need to be. And I, by the way, I have it now. He's assisted on 61% of his uh, regular season three-point attempts. You know, doesn't have to go ISO as often. But I agree. Um, Chris Paul is a physical defender. He's got good hands, quick feet. Like, he's been sauced before. But he's the kind of guy who's not going to be giving up on plays. And if, you, if you're having any weaknesses, he's going to be able to take advantage of them to whatever degree possible. And I, I'd be, I am for Curry – I am worried that if he like you know does his alpha thing, he could come up short because he doesn't have to, he won't be able to get separation. Hmm. That being said, I think the Warriors are a lot better team. They have Kevin Durant who can get a bucket on anybody. There's no one on the Rockets who can actually check him one on one. And with that in mind, I think the Warriors are the better team. I think they win the series. I'm actually going to go against my pick. Prior, I hope I still hope oh the Rockets boy. get there, but I think the I think the Warriors are going to win this series. Here's here's where I'm at at this point. I do want to see, I do want to see one Rockets get to the finals. And it'll be nice to see some guys like Chris Paul and James Harden go ahead and win it out. I'll love to see that. Whoa, I that's where I'm at. Win so it I, out. <laughs> Let's calm down. <laughs> no, no, no. I that's where I'm at. But, 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 but. A big booty, if I'm gonna say it, that's the most PG this pod goes. Everyone, by the way, <laughs> uh, if I were if I were to talk about it, I think Ethan brought up a good point. So, bring about the way Steph Curry's playing, similar to that 2016. Uh, thank you to uh, some floor sweat coming from one Rockets player. Mm-hmm. By the way, let's not forget that. Um, Pels. It was Demont. It was after Demont. Oh, yeah, uh, he got yeah. traded to the Pels. Yeah, and when I look at it though. Yeah, Steph Curry does add another dimension to the Warriors. You kind of saw when the Warriors were struggling in a few games without Steph Curry. He has that ultimate dimension. And in 2016, you couldn't afford against a team such as the Cavs to have an 80% Steph Curry. The problem is in 2018, you can't afford to have 80% Steph Curry because of that guy Ethan brought up, one Kevin Durant, where you have a perfectly healthy Kevin Durant 
and you get a get him going with a perfectly healthy Draymond and Clay Thompson, and that's that. I think Kevin Durant really is going to be probably the difference in this series. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that he that Kevin Durant definitely should be. Um, you you look at the wings that the Rockets have acquired, and there's a lot of them, a lot of good ones too. You know, you think of. Uh, Luke Bob Mute, you think of PJ Tucker, you think of Trevor Ariza. Like they got a lot of guys. Well, don't forget about Gerald Green. Yeah, Gerald right. Green as as well. Like there's a lot of bodies they could throw, and like they have specifically designed mm-hmm. their team to go to, at these Warriors and and the Cavs if you know necessary because you got guys to throw at LeBron too. Kevin Durant's gonna be you know like he's much better than those guys. Here's the here's the here's the issue though, as Ethan likes to point out. Kevin Durant is, and I'll quote Ethan, a beta. That is true. If, if we, and I mean, I'm not quite. I, I don't have the Kevin Durant slander quite as much as Ethan does, uh, like just in that regard. But you look at like, is Draymond Green going to be sending texts at four o'clock in the morning to Kevin Durant the entire series, telling him he needs to play? Like that's like with Steph Curry not being 100, percent and I think that we're going to see Chris Paul really diminish Steph, Steph Curry from, like, all-world Steph Curry to, like, you know, a little bit struggling Steph Curry. He'll still make his shots, but I think that Chris Paul is going to have a really good series against him. You're going to need Kevin Durant to step up. And, man, I, I, I just – I hope I hope that he does. Uh, I would prefer – I like, would I prefer the Warriors or, like, the Rockets? Like, I – I want to see the Warriors get toppled because, you know, narratives and things. But at the same time, do I really want to see, like, I predicted Boston. Do I want to see Boston versus the Rockets? Probably not. Like, it's more fun to see LeBron and the Warriors. But at the same time, it's a little bit old. So, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of competing, like, uh, I'm getting torn back and forth by it all. I think where I'm at with this, too, is um, even looking at what Chris Paul's probably going to do and and Ethan bringing up infamous uh, beta male, as we call it, these days um kevin durant and probably like how you bring it up richard depends how he how much he wants to take over and one of the issues that's been coming out of the warriors camp has been that draymond green still getting on kevin durant like hey don't worry about us you need to go out there and get yours because if you don't get yours this team will not be able to win because i bet you if kevin durant's out there and he's he's over there busting guys left and right and he gets and he's scoring like 40 I bet you it's in games that the Warriors are going on to win. When Kevin Durant's out there doing what he does, I mean, Warriors are probably going to win most of those games. And I'm just worried about that because, because honestly, as much as, as much as we say Chris Paul is going to shut down Steph, I think Clay's probably going to give James Harden some trouble. Not, not that much, but James Harden gets to the foul line, draw his fouls, one of the most annoying. So I'm sorry, Ethan has converted me in many ways, everyone. Because when I watched him trying to get very annoyed how he just goes in there and tries to draw a foul almost every single time. I don't and get I annoyed watched, by that. I, I uh, think it's I, th- I think it's annoying for basketball in general, but like I'm I'm yeah. amazed at how good he is by it. Yeah, but just the whole drawing foul thing, and I'm just like foul. I'm like, if you even have your if you even have your hand about a centimeter below your neckline, it's gonna be a foul. If you better you better not even try it. <laughs> but I'm interested to see just a lot of the cross matchups, what they do, what do they do with a big guy like a Clint Capella, are they just going to put another guy like a JaVale McGee who's also a rim runner and just have a rim run? Because if you saw that against a, against a team like the Jazz, literally Clint Capella just outran Gobert from end to end the entire time. 
and you have to put a guy who can just run with him. But outside of those three guys, and that's the issue, you got three versus four, whereas Rockets have to worry about four while sorry, while the Warriors just have to worry about three, really. That's why Eric Gordon is really important to this series. Mm-hmm. Um, former sixth man of the year last season. Yes. Um, the man can put the ball in the in the bucket very well. He's he's a capable defender. I think he's if you're ever gonna have a minute where Curry's out there and Chris Paul's not, I'd like to see Eric Gordon get up and body Curry just because he's burly. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Gordon, I think, can be the the, sne- the the way the Rockets win this series if he's the one if he's one who's able to get off. I think if they do, like I think honestly, Harden has been a bit of a problem this postseason. Like he's been he's been good. Don't get me wrong, but I think he has known he's so much better than his opponents that he's kind of been not fully engaged. And you mm-hmm. can't. I don't think that can continue. Um, mm. Like right now, he's only shooting thirty four percent from three because he's taking such difficult attempts. I honestly think that's gotta that's gotta come up, and you've gotta pick be- pick your spots better. Eric Gordon shooting even worse. He's shooting 31% from three. That's not because he's, you know, taking terrible attempts all the time. But he's going to need to play better. James Harden's going to need to play more efficient. Um, it's it's tough in this regard because I worry that the heart that James Harden has not been tested enough in this postseason. And if it takes it, if it takes a game to get him fully engaged to go off offensively, it might already be too late because you can't you can't be giving the Warriors games, especially if the first game's in Houston. Yeah, I think that yeah, James Harden and his engagement is huge in this series, uh, offensively and defensively. Like if you're gonna be tasked with chasing, uh, if you're gonna be tasked with with chasing around Clay Thompson, that's gonna be hard because I do think that you want. Uh, Chris Paul to be on Steph. I think that you you need that. So yeah. if you're going to do that, that means James Harden is going to have to do a lot of work on defense. Which, if you're the Warriors, you have to try to exploit that. Here's here's the here's what I think is a big key uh, for the Warriors as well. I think that the backup guards for the Warriors are really going to have to provide good minutes because James Harden and Chris Paul. Are going to get the warrior, the you know Steph Curry and Clay Thompson into foul trouble. That's one thing where I where I am a little bit worried uh, because the 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 bench for the Warriors in that regard. I, I don't want to see tons of, of Quinn Cook when I don't have to. Right, right. I don't want to see tons of Sean Livingston if I don't have to either. So fair enough. That's a little bit of my the concern that I have. The good news is if you if Clay does get into um, issues, then you bring in Sean Livingston and you or Quinn Cook, and you can have Steph Curry kind of play off off ball, which I think may be helpful for him in this series. Who's um just quick thing, Ethan, before you come, who are the Rockets matching up with Draymond Green in this series? Who are they matching up with him? I would put mm. James Harden on him, mm. because I'd say go ahead, Draymond, beat James to the rim at all time, and we'll rely on our help defense and like making Dr- Draymond make the right decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone wants to exploit mismatches, and Draymond Green is a good enough ball handler to exploit that mismatch. But I'm saying let's go ahead and force him to because I, if you can keep the ball out of Curry and, and Durant's hands, I'm happier. That's Ooh. nice. That's nice. But uh, what happens? Like, what do you do if you're the Rockets when you want Capella out there and the Warriors are at the hand with the Hampton Fives or, or you know their death lineup? Like, who who does Capella guard in that situation? Five. 
I'm looking at Iguodala as someone who's a better back cutter than Green because he spends more time off ball. You leave Capella on him in th theoretically because he, then you can still help off Iguodala and like he's open for three. However, you're he Capella's an aware enough defender to not get back cut on all the time like Harden would be. Like that's my thing is Harden can be engaged with a guy when he has the ball. Draymond's not a great off ball mover. He's kind of a guy who stirs the drink with the ball in his hands. So I'm thinking you get him on the player that he'll be the most engaged because he'll have the ball a lot. Whereas if you put and if you put Capella on Iguodala who's going to be standing and cutting where you can still help off because he's not a great great shooter, but you don't want to just leave. But you don't want him to back cut. James Harden to death. Yeah, here, the only issue I see, like I like what you, I like what you're saying. I like the idea of James Harden on Draymond Green because it allows him to not have to run and chase Clay Thompson around. But at the same time, you're also giving, putting him in a lot of pick and roll situations because you're going to see a lot of Draymond Green with the ball handler pick and rolls. And so, if what if it's a Kevin Durant? Uh, then you double Kevin Durant off the screen and don't let him pop or roll, and then you just go under it so he doesn't have a free trip to the rim. Let Draymond show up the dribble. When's he ever made an off-the-dribble no, no, no. shot? No, what, I'm, what I'm saying is you are putting James Harden in a position where he's having to be involved in the pick-and-roll on defense. Like Even though it minimizes him. his running around, it puts him involved defensively in a different capacity. And and so that, that's my only concern with that. I think that's the move that Steve Kerr would counter with. If like if you saw that, I think you'd see a lot of Kevin Durant, Draymond Green pick and rolls. And if I'm the Rockets, I'm like, okay, just fall back and stick with Durant and go. just have James go under the screen. So he's yep. like – because I swear, I don't know if Draymond Green's ever shot a ball off the dribble. No, but, but here's the thing. Like instinctively – you the Draymond Green gets the ball, the defenses are going to collapse instinctively. And so at so he's gonna be dishing to to, to shooters out on the wing. And so like hopefully it's like a dog because Capella is the one who should crash there. Okay. All right. So I it I have foiled you, Richard. It's gonna come down to shooting. It'll come down to shooting as most series do. Wow. Who thought? It's a make or miss league. Make or miss league. <laughs> there, there you go. Let's shout out, shout out shout out to uh your your um your guy over in the over in Miami. We'll we'll throw Miami's. Uh... Who? Because uh, isn't isn't that uh, a quote from from your boy? I'm struggling right now. Pat Riley. Maybe, probably I don't know. Pat, Pat Riley says a lot of really smart. I know. He has a lot I think of, I think a lot of Pat Riley there. quote. So I was just trying to get you get you your heat reference for today. Okay. Oh, wow. How about this for the heat reference? I was looking at uh, when I was looking like, looking at that Curry set earlier. I think the uh, similarity score that Basketball Reference does it it had uh, him as. Curry is an 89% with Dwayne Wade, which is weird because Dwayne Wade doesn't shoot threes. I just thought that was a funny little thing. I guess yeah. I had to look at what their actual formula is for that because it was just funny, but he was the highest uh, similarity score rating with uh, Curry. But I guess if you do, well, three rings, um, three rings, lots of points per game, that, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Just percentage-wise, it doesn't really make sense. That's not important, but that's just where my brain went. So what are our uh... – where are the where are the picks for the series then? Warriors and six. How about that? Uh, see, they're not gonna, they're not going to try to win on. That's a team that wants to win on their own court. You see what they did in the first two series, where I think they just want to win in general. I understand. You, you can have a Cleveland 2016 situation. No one wants I, that. I understand. 
I go I go Warriors in seven. Um, I think Ooh. that I, I, I just I, also we all should I hope be, seven. I hope yeah, seven. Everybody should be voting and rooting for seven game series because after the first two rounds, it's the fewest. Uh, I think it's the second fewest playoff games played through two rounds, which is not good for uh, for the salary cap. No. We're gonna we're all gonna be hitting the 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 luxury taxes here if if these next two series go by too quickly. Like we all should be rooting for a seven for seven game series the rest right. of the way. Especially for me and Richard, two teams I that know. are like highly uh, cash trapped. The the Pacers don't need to worry about this because they, they got <laughs> cap room. I yeah, know. Ah oh, man. So so Elkins rooting for the for the for the sweeps. Uh, and, <laughs> and for the rest of the way, we're, we're rooting for these tough seven game series because it benefits our own teams. <laughs> That's right. I love how we find a way to always bring it back to our selfish homerisms. Oh, we I have love to. it. We have to. We have to. Oh man, fellas. It's it's been a wild ride this this year. It's it's all coming together the way we thought it would in terms of matchups. I mean, Celtics and Cavs, we thought Kurt Kyrie would be here. Warriors and Rockets, we thought I mean, it's what we thought, right? Like beginning yep. of the season. Yeah, I think that I mean maybe not the Bob, Celtics, Bob, I mean, right. well, but we did like like those are the two teams in the um in the conference finals last year, right? With four teams in the conference finals last year. Obviously, Boston's has had one heck of a ride getting right. to where they are, but um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, this makes me think. Uh, I don't know. It's just I'm, I'm so happy I, I I fell in love with the NBA, not some other stupid league. NFL is talking about you. I am. Even, even though your team won this year. Dude, Man. it's so funny. The year I stopped being in love with football to like the nth degree, my team – like I knew my team was going to be good, the Philadelphia Eagles, but I didn't know they were going to be great. You know, one of those things. But, oh. you know, basketball is better. Everyone knows it. All right. Let's not, let's, not, let's not go on a road where we did not know where we're going to end up at. Is that is that your way of saying to go into our hero ball, whatchamacallit, something of the week? Ooh. What is that? I am ready for that. Oh, okay. So, in in memory of Stan Van getting dismissed from the Pistons, we want to go back in time to an awkward moment he had with one star player in Orlando. Here's Stan Van getting interviewed. What is your sense of when you talk to management? Will they listen to him or will it be a management Oh, I have no idea. They can – well, obviously it will be a management decision. They have to make the decision, but – but I ain't worried about that. So, yeah, Stan, we're not worried about that, right? That's what I just said. We got to be worried about winning games. 